This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. Hello. What's up, the Bureau Council? <laughs> hey, Jeff, how's it going? Good, man. Um, Good. So uh, I'm excited to be here today uh, because today we're talking about um, when should you hire. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm going to assume, just because we're talking to Jeff, we're going to be talking about it from like you're starting from a small business and you're looking to scale up. Um, so yeah, so I'm excited to get started today. Um, also, just a heads up, uh, please hit the like or subscribe button. Uh, you can find our podcast wherever uh, you download our podcast, wherever your favorite podcast is found. And uh, you can find out more at um, what's our, what's our... superheroinstitute.org slash heroic. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, so today we're with Jeff Kibbert, uh, who is um, going to tell me all uh, everything that I need to know about when you should hire for your business. So, um, uh, Jeff, first of all, just because like you've worked in a lot of different contexts. Um, do you think you need to hire people to grow your business? Um, <clears throat> so I think it depends on like the, the nature of what you mean by grow, but you can definitely be very successful without hiring anyone. Um, and I think that the solopreneur life is very, very attractive. And I would, I would definitely not discourage people from considering that as an option, uh, because you keep your overhead very low uh, way less variables to deal with. And then you can just do the thing that you do really well. I think freelancing got a very, like, a, it, it became like a, like a pejorative term over time. Yeah, I think freelancing yeah. is pretty awesome. Like you yeah. get paid for your time to do a thing that you do. And the way that you scale is by increasing the value of your time, which I think is great. That said, if you're trying to like, quote unquote, scale, like there's, there is a ceiling to how far you can scale as one person because there's only so high you can reasonably charge for your time after which it just kind of stops being feasible unless you're like amazing or a celebrity in some way or another. So I think to, to build a business that scales beyond what one person can reasonably do, you have to hire people. Hmm. Um, so could you see yourself one day, uh, based on where you are, like having to hire somebody in, in the context of your kind of like sole entrepreneur journey that you're on? I, so the way that I'm pursuing hiring moving forward in my career, um, you know, having been in a position where I had payroll and where uh, I had 1099 contractors, it was fine, but, um, it, it never really sat well with me the way that that arrangement worked because, you know, let's say that I'm billing, a client a thousand dollars for something and I hire somebody to do a pretty decent amount of the work for say $200, I'm reaping the reward of a lot of their labor. And that never sat well with me personally. It's no judgment on anybody else. Like do what you do, but I don't really like that. So I'm looking for alternative arrangements, um, moving forward. So I think, um, utilizing virtual assistants and executive assistants who are setting their price as independents and tell you what their price is and, and you pay them for that. And then you get their labor in exchange for that. I'm fine with that because um, essentially the big difference is I don't I don't tend to like to hire people under me. I like to work with people who charge their rate and we come together sort of as a team. So most of the arrangements I'm looking for in, in my business as I hire and as I grow is to do more partnership related work 
than kind of the hierarchy of somebody that I'm hiring. Understood. So if that's the case, um, when do you think, when do you think I should consider either subcontracting somebody um, or uh, subcontracting somebody or bringing somebody on to support me? Like what, what's, what's a good time to do that? Do you mean you personally or you like as a general you? Uh, let's start with the general you. Okay. Yeah. I, I would say for the, and then, you know what, it's, it's probably gonna be the same answer either way, but I would say yeah. if you find yourself having more to do than you have time to do, then I would say that that's a good starting point to say, maybe it, either you have to say no to some things and cut some things out, or you mm -hmm. need to bring someone on to help so that you can live up to the commitments you've made. Um, so it's one of those two things. So I, I think it comes down to your goals, right? The first, the, the within the context of goals, it's like, do you want to grow your company? Like, do you want to increase the total amount of revenue you're capable of billing? Because to do that, you would need more hands to do more work, to bill higher amounts, to serve more clients. Like it, there's just a math there that's going to mm -hmm. need to happen. So mm -hmm. that would be the first goal. The second goal is that you want things off of your plate, which doesn't necessarily mean you want to make more money, but maybe you want to have more time. So it's like either you want to make more money or you want to have more time, but one way or the other, those are kind of the two considerations that I see as being the pivotal decision of whether or not you should hire someone. So if you find yourself with, you know, too much work and not enough time, that's a pretty good indication that it's time to, to talk to somebody about helping out. Yeah. I mean, I can even see like breaking that down a little bit. Like, tell me if this sounds right. Like, let's say hypothetically, like I have a decent amount of money backing whatever I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, let's say I'm starting a business and I've like already have a nice chunk of money to start off with. Like I can see myself in the very beginning being like, I'm going to hire somebody to take over these things, or I'm going to subcontract somebody to take over these things because, um, because I have the cash to do it. And that means I get to spend more time on business development because I'm not actually doing like a lot of the, like, let's say like the work of the business or the, you know what I mean? Like getting stuff done, but you might be in a position where you're starting something and you don't have that money. So you're like, I've got to figure out how to split my time between business dev. And then at some point you're like, okay, I'm making enough cash flow where now I can hire somebody to do that thing. Or you could be in a position like yourself where um, I, you don't have an executive assistant right now, right? Not so, yet, but I'm, yeah. I'm like on the verge, just okay. about to get one. Gotcha. So yeah, no, I figured you would at some point. And, uh, but at the, in general, the way things operate for you, and I guess this might change in the future, um, but I think at the moment, the way things operate for you, and you can tell me if you're wrong, is that like your work doesn't really... Oh man, I don't know if that's true at all. I was gonna say your work doesn't really require a lot of like busy work or hands-on work because that, that doesn't sound I, right. I would say it has a little bit, but yeah. um, I would say more the supporting services of what I need to do to remain a successful solopreneur that has people's attention. And so, for instance, like this podcast that we do, like mm -hmm. this is an hour out of our weeks that we take to do a thing. Mm -hmm. There needs to be promotion to let people know that we're going to be doing these episodes to get people excited who might want to opt into an episode like this. After the episode is live, we would want to put it out and let people know about it. All of that takes time. And if I have to balance my time between setting up, you know, promotions to go out on social media and email versus sitting down and uh, putting together like a brand strategy deliverable for a client that's paying me, you know, a hefty sum of money each month, I'm going to go with the client that's paying me the money because that's where, that's what's going to help me maintain my lifestyle and grow my business. So I get into the position where the executive assistant is taking the things off of my plate that need to happen, that are, that are useful so that I can continue to 
operate in the way that I do, but not necessarily doing like the work of the business that I'm being paid for, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, it like, uh, I, I, um, I feel like you've had an executive assistant before. I have, I've, so I've had several over the years and it's always been great. The one thing that I've had trouble with is, um, is making sure that they know what they should be working on and how they can support me because yeah. I have a tendency to just like, you know, just load it all up on my shoulders and carry it up the hill myself. Mm-hmm. So asking people for help is notoriously difficult for me. Um, so having a, a concise list of things for someone to help me out with is kind of part of it. And then when they come back to me with questions, it's like, I have to set aside the time to be able to actually work with them so that they can better assist me. So that's where I've run into problems in the past. Um, and a lot of things that I've used VAs in the past for have actually been replaced by technology. So for instance, the big thing for me in 2014 was someone to help me manage my schedule that, cause mm-hmm. it was just out of control meetings and calls and all these things. And you know, if I had to go back and forth with someone, that might be like 10 emails. Yeah, I would have yeah. my VA step in and they would schedule things. But now I have Calendly. So Calendly, you know, allows me to set all of the different time windows and dates for the different types of things that I want to do. So now I get to actually apply a VA towards things that are potentially higher value to, you know, the, the long-term success of my business. Okay. Um, so how about, um, like, as far as, uh, like what made you decide like right now was a good time to start looking at, um, hiring a uh, executive assistant? You know, timing is such an interesting thing about this because you could hire someone before you're ready because it gives you a better chance of doing it. Mm -hmm. You could hire someone while you're in the midst of it because you're realizing you don't have the bandwidth and you need help. So you might be like drowning and you're like, yeah, somebody send me a life vest. Or you could be after the fact and say, I'm never doing that again. I'm going to need mm. some help. And I've got a little bit of cash now because I, I did a little too much on my own this last time. So the way that I've been approaching it has been a little more around the availability of time I have for my priorities. So I think of it in terms of um, work. Not all work is created equal, right? Like just because something mm-hmm. is due or just because somebody's asking for it on a shorter timeline doesn't mean it's actually more important than other things. So for instance, right now, the most important thing that I have going on professionally is the release of my book in January. But I've been completely neglecting it because I've been focusing on a lot of other things and a lot of like menial smaller tasks that are taking up my time because I haven't I haven't made the decision myself to just cut that stuff off and do what's really important. So it occurred to me that one of the things I really need if I'm going to have a successful book launch and I'm going to do all of these things is I need extra hands. I need someone to help me out who can take some of these things off of my plate that, that need to happen. Um, so that's how I made the decision. I, I think, again, the way that, like the kind of the general you, if you're thinking of hiring, the way you should think yeah. about it is, you know, are you happy with the way your work is going? You know, are you happy with your life right now? And, you know, if you don't have the money to hire someone, that's going to pretty much tie your hands uh, unless you can get a loan. And then you have to kind of decide, is that worth the roll of the dice? But if you yeah. have the funds, then it's going to come down to a decision of, are you ready to delegate work? Are you ready to commit to someone? And there's different types of hiring, right? Like you can hire someone for a project. You can hire someone as a contractor on a semi-ongoing basis, or you can hire an employee. And all three of those are different levels of commitment and different levels of, of cost that you're going to be associated with. Um, I generally would advise people that when you should hire someone is the last possible minute until you like can't take it anymore. Um, if your goal is essentially to maintain the maximum revenue for yourself and, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, 
and, and like your goal is to scale at some point, but that's not the primary goal. If your goal is to scale, then you should hire at the earliest possible moment that you can. So if you want to grow a company, the best thing you can do is get more hands involved because you're going to be able to do more things, move more quickly, take on more responsibility and more clients. Mm. But then it puts the onus on you that you have to be able to backfill to pay for that. Yeah. The yeah. minute you have somebody on your team, you now not only need to cover your own salary, but you need to cover their salary yeah. as well. And I found that a problem in the past when, you know, as an entrepreneur, business can can come and go. So when it waxes and wanes and you have less, it starts to feel really like a lot of pressure to feed somebody else, so to speak. Yeah. I I mean, I, I guess now that I think about it, I've experienced that a lot just because, uh, you know, I'll often hire subcontractors to support me in different projects. And um, uh, sometimes it's paid off really well. And sometimes looking back, I'm like, I uh, should have just done this myself. Uh, I, I, and, and mostly for me, it comes down, like, just to be honest, it comes down to money. You know what I mean? At the mm -hmm. end of the day, it's like, I, I just like, like, if, and like after I did the numbers and looked at my time, I was like, I probably could have done this myself. Um, yeah. So I, one thing I would point out about that is that yeah. anytime I've had the experience where I hired someone and said, I could have done it myself. Yeah. The thing that I now think to myself is, what else should I have been doing with that time that they saved me? Right. So it's not so yeah. much that I yeah, could have true. done that thing. Yeah. I think now that they gave me that time back, how, how did I spend that time to make it yeah, worth it? Right. So that. like, let, let's say you had 20 hours of work on your plate and yeah. you offload 10 of it. Uh, you know, unless you're like, you're good financially. The goal isn't to just take those 10 hours back and watch the foundation. By the way, great show, Apple TV. We could talk about Oh that. man, I totally so, disagree. But that's, uh, that's another, episode, I, yeah. another episode for later. But anyway, okay. um, uh, the, the goal is to take that 10 hours and turn it into another 20 hours of value, right? Like to, to create something that will allow you to get two more clients that in that time, instead of like wasting it, you were able to turn it into more revenue. So that's, that's kind of where I think about it now. Cause I always could do whatever yeah. the thing is that I outsourced, but yeah. it's the point is, would I have, and would it have been the best use of my time? You know, that's a good point too. Cause also I have to think like, um, I, I mean, you know how, like, uh, when you start, when you, when you take on a certain project, um, the, maybe the first few times you do it, just because you're trying to figure out the process of how to best execute this project. It's oftentimes nice to have support there. You know what I mean? Because you're figuring out as you go. So you'd be like, oh, can you take care of these things while I figure out the situation here? And I think like some of the things that I think about that, like, I'm like, oh, I'm more likely to do it by myself now. It's more like, I think I understand this in depth enough where I can do this really quickly by myself. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's, yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you also got to play to your strengths. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I think there's, there's a lot of things that I can do and I can actually do very well, but that are just not a good use of my time and I don't enjoy them. Yeah. And then there's other things that maybe it might take me a little longer, but I just really enjoy doing it. You know? Yeah. So you yeah. got to kind of figure that part out too, is, you know, hiring isn't, you know, you can look at hiring through a lot of different lenses. I tend not to look at it through the lens of purely the financial lens. I think of it in terms of like, what does it mean for my leadership and my coaching and my mentoring? What does it mean for their ability to help me grow? What does it mean for our ability to do better quality work, to get things off my plate that I don't want to do, to stay in my genius zone, to put somebody else in their genius zone, to conquer the world and do amazing things together? Like, you know, stuff like that. But at the same time, there's a financial aspect. But I think 
too much of the conversation revolves around that. And realistically, it's going to come down to you can either afford it or you can't. It's kind of a theoretical question, like because uh, I'm somebody who likes to, you know, I like to actually do the work um, and, you know, um, I, I like to do the work and I like to spend as much time, much of my time actually doing the work than working on other sides of the business. Um, you know, like generally we look at somebody who's like in kind of like a management role or maybe not a management role, but maybe like, uh, um, like a CEO or something like that as somebody who's, you know what I mean? Like above, how, how do you think about like hiring somebody to manage, like, let's say hypothetically your biz dev, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like, I know that's not what you would ever, ever do just because like, that is what you do. But yeah. like, how, how do you feel about that for other people who are like me and they're like, you know, I like doing the work, you know, and I like designing things or I like, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, I, 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 I don't yeah. see any problem with it. Um, any more than like having somebody do your scheduling or have somebody like, you know, do masonry work, like whatever it is, like if you don't want to do it or you don't feel like you're the best person to do it, having somebody else come in and do it is absolutely the right move. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I do think you have to, no matter what the role is, you should know enough about it to be clear about what success looks like. Um, mm -hmm. and like what, it, what a good job to you looks like, um, so that it's worth whatever the money is that you're paying for it. You know what I mean? Like you have to have a certain sense of the value of your time. Um, and also the, a sense of the results that you would bring in. Right. So if, mm. if you can outsource sales and somebody's going to make you double what you made last year, great. What's that worth to you? You know, yeah, and, yeah, and are they bringing yeah. you the right type of projects? And so like you should, if you were to hire someone for sales, let's say, you should at least know exactly the sort of projects you want them to bring you. You should know exactly um, what sort of projects they should turn away. You should know exactly when you need to come in to the project and, and, or into the sales sequence and, and ask some questions. Um, but yeah, just be really clear on what it is that you're looking for. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't do myself included guilty as charged when it comes to like hiring the VAs. Um, I've had some situations where like, I just wasn't clear about what it is I actually needed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that's something, uh, and I imagine part of that too is figuring out along the way, you know what I mean? because you have an idea and you don't really know what the person that you hired to do this outsource thing knows about you. Mm -hmm. And so like the more, it should be a process. I'm assuming when you're communicating back and forth with them, that should be refined as you go along. Because like, let's say hypothetically, and I know you don't do this, but well, no, you kind of do. Let's say hypothetically, I hired you for, um, to, you know, like tighten up my messaging, my, my like yeah. brand proposition, my value proposition. Um, uh, like you're going to like really have to know in depth what my skills are and then like, you know what I mean? And then like, you're going to have to at some point get a good idea of what like the market's like and what it is that I want and then put all those pieces together. And I'm sure that's an iterative process that needs to be tested. Right. Yeah. I would say it's iterative, but I, I similar to like what you said about work before, the more you do it, the better you get at it and the yeah. easier it it becomes. So I, I think I've gotten to be very good at, um, you know, certainly a lot more room to grow in it, but I've gotten very good at understanding how to read between the lines of what people are saying and ask follow-up questions that allow me to get into the depth of what the client is really saying about, you know, what their brand promises or why they do what they do or what mission they're actually out to accomplish. So I, I think, you know, knowing where to 
to dig in and push more is something that I've learned. And it's part of the reason why it's less iterations now, but it's also part of the reason why that's not something I would ever be able to really outsource or, um, or, 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 you know, hire someone for, because one, I would have to train them on my entire methodology. And two, I'd be taking myself out of the work that I really enjoy doing. So when I think about hiring someone, I might be hiring them to take the brand materials, the workbooks, the questionnaires, all the things, and put them into a certain format in maybe type form. Or maybe I'd want them to transcribe one of my meetings and pull out all of the problem statements that a client might say, right? So I'm looking for the support to do those things that I don't have the time to do that are important and then help me grow and help me do better things. Mm. But they're not things that I have the time to do. Mm. Um, do you think that, uh, um, like, uh, like, because we talked, you mentioned delegation before and delegating work. Um, what are some problems that you think they can arrive in the delegation process or something like for maybe on the internal processes of the person who's hired? Let me phrase that a little bit cleaner. Um, if I hire somebody and now I'm coming for the first time in my business, I'm in a position where I have to delegate work to people. What are some things that I might, what are some problems I might come across both in my heart and you know what I mean? And actually like after the work's been delegated. Yeah. I would say that there's two types of delegations here, um, that are probably the most common. So there's kind of like short-term delegation and long-term delegation. So I would look at it as in terms of like, are you hiring someone to deliver a widget in a short period of time? Or mm-hmm. are you hiring them to become part of your team that's going to scale and grow into the future? Because mm-hmm. one is a leadership conversation and the other is just a transaction. So in mm-hmm. the sense where like I go to Fiverr, for instance, so I use Fiverr for a lot of different things. So people uh, hire themselves out for a bunch of different like little odd jobs. Uh, One of the things I do is, you know, I create a lot of content and I turn some of those things into PDF guides and lead magnets. So I'll go Mm -hmm. to Fiverr, I'll pay someone, you know, 40, 50, $100 to convert some of my content into lead magnets. They do it. It's designed. It's beautiful. So when I delegate that task, I'm looking for someone who can do exactly what I'm looking for, do it as quickly as possible, hit exactly what it is that I'm looking for within the parameters of the cost that have been talked about, right? So it's very Mm -hmm. transactional. There's not a lot of there's not a lot to it. It's just, can you sell me the thing that I want? You know, if I go to buy a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich, will it be a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich? And will it be delicious? Right. So very transactional. I think by contrast, when you're delegating as part of a growth minded team, as part of like bringing someone on that, you are literally hiring the, the entire equation changes it is no longer transactional. In fact, I would say it's not even about the work product that they deliver to you uh, anywhere in the, in the, in the near term, because what it's actually about is about helping them grow your, your job. When you delegate as a leader, somebody that's leading a team is to help them grow because that's actually what's going to make the hire a long-term success, which is what you're looking for. When you hire someone, you want long-term success, the short term, not as important. They didn't get it right. Doesn't matter. The point in the beginning is not that you got the work off of your plate, but that you're bringing on someone who's going to take over that responsibility over time. And they're going to grow into other roles so that as you expand your team, you're able to build an entire like organism, this, this, this entity known as a company that does things together where there's, there's, there's people who are able to move in and out of different roles and understand how the whole thing operates. Right? So the motivation is different. In the short term, if you're a solopreneur or you're hiring a 1099 contractor for a project, it's a transaction. You're trying to get a thing done and you want to set expectations very clear up front. When it's longer term, you're looking for a certain uh, 
character. You're looking for a certain um, type of work ethic, a certain type of values that align with yours. And then you want to grow that person into um, somebody who can show their own leadership on your team and take care of things. And your job is not to get work off your plate, but to help them grow into someone who can help your organization grow. Uh, have you, is there, is there, can you see a situation where this person, where you're hiring initially for widget, but you have the intention to move them into like a, more of a leadership position? I, I think so. Um, there's definitely no like, um, you know, immovable boundaries in all of this. I think all this yeah. is like very flexible and it's going to, it's going to vary by, uh, situations. But you can definitely say, you know, oh, I'm hiring this. I'll give you a great example. The very first person I ever hired, I hired for a distinct, discrete project. It was a data entry project. Uh, my friend John Steyert, I had posted out on Twitter like, hey, I'm looking for somebody to do this. This is what my budget is. And he responded. He was like, yeah, I'll take it. So he came over and he took a giant stack of printed out surveys and he manually entered in all of this data from the printed out surveys into a database for me. And I just liked him. I liked working with him. He was fast. He was smart. He was hungry to learn. And I was like, would you like to do more work in the future? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I just kept bringing him back. Mm. Tim, when, when we started working together, um, our first video project was like, Hey, I need a video. I got a client. And I was, I just had so much fun working with you. And the project came out looking so good that I was like, Oh, well we should do this mm. again. And then it got to be a long-term thing. where like, now I know that I trust you. And on top of that, I feel like we've helped each other grow as professionals, you know, challenging one another, giving each other creative ideas, pushing each other to do better work. So I think a lot of relationships probably start out like, hey, I just need a widget. But because that widget could actually help you grow, you may wind up going back to the very same person who you trusted to get that thing done in the first place. And the relationship might grow and blossom into something more. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the answer is yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I think anytime you're hiring someone, ideally you should be looking for someone that you like and trust enough to, to give them the work, right? Trust is going to be essential there. Do you trust the quality of their work? Do you trust the quality of their character that they're going to, you know, deliver on it and, and not put you in a tough position? Um, I don't know. Uh, for instance, I don't know, like um, when we started working together, I don't know if you were thinking to yourself like, oh, I want to make video a big part of like a, a part a regular part of this my business. Um, I don't think that I was opposed to it. I think I thought video is definitely a component. Clients are going yeah. to need it. I'd like to do more of it. You know, having a background of having gone to film school, I thought, well, this is an interesting turn of events that this has come back into my life. And I like storytelling and, you know, I like directing people on camera. So I like the script writing and the directing because that's what I went to film school for anyway. So I kind of thought, oh, this is, this is interesting. And, you know, with regard to our work together, one of the reasons why it worked, I think, is because we were very comfortable with what our distinct roles were. Like, it wasn't mm. like while I was directing someone, you were like, no, Jeff, get out of the way. I'll tell him what to do. It was like, we were clear on, and it wasn't like when you were framing a shot, I was like, Tim, like, you should shoot from a lower angle. Like, we were clear. We had defined roles. Yeah. We trusted yeah, yeah. each other to do those roles. And over time, we gave each other feedback and ideas and thoughts on things and helped each other grow in those areas. But I think it was because we weren't fighting to be leaders in the same places. And I think that's yeah. what, what made it work. And I think when you're hiring someone, you got to be clear on that. Like, is this somebody who's going to come in and 
you know, after three times working together, they're going to be gunning to like take your clients from you and do their own thing. Like, well, that's not going to be a good relationship. Or is this going to be someone who, you know, is interested in learning from you and also has a lot to contribute to you? In that case, that's probably going to be a better relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so is there, do you think there's a big difference between uh, your first hire and subsequent hires? Um, I, I think I do just because the nature of your first hire is you're going to probably think about it a lot more. You're like, it, it's a big thing when you do your first hire, especially when it's your first hire, like your first, like true, like W2 employee hire. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, that's, yeah. that's a, that's a groundbreaking moment for anyone. And, and what's going to happen from it is you're either never going to do it again, or you're definitely going to do it again. And, yeah. um, because it, it's more expensive to hire someone. And honestly, if you're somebody who, um, has a good head on their shoulders and a good heart in their body. Uh, you want to do right by them. Like you want to give them healthcare and you want to pay them as much as you possibly can because you want them to have a good life and be excited about coming to do work with you. But that's, it's also very, very expensive. So there is a big financial component that puts a lot of stress and pressure on it. Um, and I think, um, sometimes what happens is your first hire turns out or, or the, you know, when you're hiring the first person, it turns out like the, like you hit it, like nail on the head and you're like, wow, this is, this is awesome. I have such a good person on my team. And then you go to bring on a second person expecting it's going to be that easy. And, and it's just not, or vice versa. Yeah, the first yeah, person yeah. is kind of like, eh, and then you hire another person like, wow, that person's amazing. I wish my first hire was like that. So it's, but you learn a lot about yourself and like, what is your process and how are you asking questions and how are you vetting the right person? And so there's just, there's so many different things that go to it. Um, but I think with each subsequent hire, the, the thing that's important is unless your business is, your business growth is exceeding the drain that a new hire would have on payroll, like on your revenue, um, then it's going to be a tough decision every time, right? Like if it's always tight, if every time you make the decision to hire, you're like, eh, rolling the dice here, it's a risk. If they, if they work mm -hmm. out, it's going to help me grow. But if it doesn't, it might sink me. Like that's a tough decision for every entrepreneur. But if you're growing, you're like, yeah, it's, it's great to be in the position where you're like, we need more bodies. We have more work than we can handle. We need bodies. Let's go. Let's get the right people. Let's grow. That's awesome, but it's also not common. And it also, in, in a lot of cases, a lot of companies' cases, it could evaporate just as soon as you hire them. And that's the really terrifying part of all of it is like, you know, you could be growing and growing and growing. Then all of a sudden something happens, pandemic, whatever. Now all of a sudden you got to cut back on staff. And I'll say as great as it is to hire someone amazing, the literally one of the worst feelings you'll ever have in business is when you have to let go of someone amazing. And it's, and it's because you can't afford them. Yeah, I was going to ask also on the flip side is I, I know you're a very egalitarian person and you may not like this framing, but I'm also thinking if you spend a lot of time to build this person up and then they find a new opportunity and the next business they go to get to take advantage of all your leadership, you know what I mean? It's awesome for them that they left. But then you're kind of like, oh, I spend all this time building this person up and now I have to do it over again. Uh, I mean, you know me, man, that. I don't even think about that. I'm just happy that they're out there being awesome. Like if, if you yeah. bring someone in and you pour your soul into them and then they go out and they, they exceed your expectations. They, they surpass you financially, uh, influence everything. Like, I, I don't mean that. I mean, like, um, I, and I agree with you. That's like, I know cool. what you're saying. Like it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, also, put a bunch like, of time in them. 
if they become an integral part of your business, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, especially if you're a small business that can really hurt you at least for a while. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, every time I've lost someone, uh, in the business, they've either taken a new role. Um, I couldn't afford them anymore. It was yeah. just the, the time for them to move to the next thing. It's always been tough, but that's part of the evolution of business is like, I think if you're going to be a business owner, one thing you definitely have to get like super duper comfortable with is the discomfort of change because it's just constant. Yeah. I, I, I actually tend to be um, very anxious when things are going well in business because mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, oh, so it's coming. Like when, yeah, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. cause you're not going to get to have it very long. You get these like brief periods of like, everything's great. Like the team is working together really yeah. well. Everything's super. And then something, something you'd even see coming out of nowhere. Someone's been unhappy for three months and you had no idea. Like that sort of stuff happens. Um, so I guess when I look at it is like, if you have somebody, even if they become an integral part of your business and you pour into them, everything you've got and they become even more integral, more amazing. And then they get to go out and do something else that's amazing. And they're happy. I think you should be happy for them. The only thing that I don't tolerate is like the backstabbing. Like if I do everything I can for you and then on the way out, you like throw the shank in my back. Uh, that's, that's the thing that bothers me. It's yeah, happened, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, happened yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that I don't like, but if you're like, if we're good, like most of the people I've ever worked with that I've ever hired, I have a great relationship with. I still like would text with them. We hit each other up on social media, like good relationships, almost all of them. I have a few that are not. Um, and I'm happy for all of their success. So even though at the time it was tough to watch them go, I also, I think what, what occurs to me is I'm doing them a disservice by keeping them here. If they're ready to grow and I'm boxing them in, it's like caging a bird. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're ready to go and do extraordinary things. Great case in point is um, uh, Jess Gangemi, uh, formerly Smith, Jess Smith that worked with me. Yeah. I think yeah, it was yeah. around the time. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you how she was doing. Yo, she, how is she doing? She's an absolute, like, full-on rock star, like, yeah. at Medallia. Like, she is, like, on another level amazing and just crushing it. Like, thinking back to when the, when she left to take another position, like, she had outgrown what I could provide for her. She was ready and she went to Frontier and she crushed it. And then she went from there to Medallia and she's crushing it. So I I have I had no hard feelings then, and I have no hard feelings now because I'm just so happy for what's become of her. And to be able to say that like I got to work with her like early, early on, and like the hope that I got to contribute even something to that amazing story that she's building. So that's how I think of it. I know it does suck to lose somebody when you're like doing it and you're like, great, now I have to refill this role or something like that yeah. does suck. But like, I, I guess I just take more joy from their growth than I do the pain of like having to retrain somebody else. Cause retraining somebody else is just another person you get to like potentially have as a relationship for the rest of your life. It's very, it's very sweet, Jeff. Hey man, hashtag lovable leader yeah. due out January, 2022. Do out during January 2022. Uh, we hear more about hiring in, uh, in lovable leader. So one of the big things that I say in the lovable leader about hiring, and I stand by this is that, yeah. um, when you do have to fire someone, you should fire them with the same love and care that you hire them with, which means that you should put a lot of love and care into the way you hire people and be really put a lot of work into making sure it's the right person. And that you do everything you can to help them succeed. And that if it doesn't work out, you should do everything you can to see that it doesn't harm them. 
in whatever way you can, whether it's making introductions for them, writing LinkedIn reviews, giving them the full two weeks. Um, if you're you know, going to be letting them go, give them two weeks the way that people give companies two weeks. Like do mm -hmm. everything you can to try and make sure that if you cared enough about this person to hire them, that when you fire them, you care enough to make sure that it doesn't sting as, as best mm -hmm. as you can. So that's a big thing that I say about hiring there. And then a lot of what the book is about is like, how do you build the right team? And a lot of that comes down to like making sure you have people on the team that share the same values as you do, um, or that when you understand their values, they're not in conflict with the values of the organization or the rest of the team. So I have a lot in there about like the commitments that teams have to undertake to make sure that it's a safe environment psychologically and otherwise. Um, so yeah, there's a lot in there about hiring and about building the right team. Um, hmm. um, so, uh, last question before, uh, um, I let you go. Um, is there, if, if I was considering hiring somebody right now, or if you have somebody who's in a new business, who's considering right now, um, are there any specific pitfalls that they should consider avoiding? They should consider avoiding. Yeah, they should consider avoiding any pitfalls. Um, I mean, I would say don't be too hasty about it. Um, also, don't be afraid to like have an open line of communication with people as you're thinking about hiring them. So like be honest about where you are. Like I, I've always been one to be very transparent about finances. So say, here's what I can afford to pay. If that doesn't work for you, I totally understand. Like I'm not trying to like lowball you. Here's the budget that I have for this position. And don't yeah. like make it up. Don't use that as a tactic. Like literally say like, this is what I've got. Mm -hmm. And here's when I'd be able to, like here's the milestone at which I'd be able to increase that. You know, here's the sort of benefits I'm capable of offering. Like be really, really upfront about it. And if you have the ability to compensate people well and pay their healthcare and do the things that, like do that. Because like we're in the midst of the great attrition right now. And you know, you pay people enough money and give them enough good benefits, they're going to work for you. Like it's a pretty straightforward equation, actually. Yeah. yeah um yeah. So, so I would say the the pitfall is don't try and don't try and exploit people's labor so that you can grow your company. Think of when you're gonna actually hire someone as a relationship that you want to keep for life. Hmm. Even if they're not working for you forever, think of it as like you want to respect this person enough as you hire them that you could foreseeably stay in touch with them for the rest of your life. So I would say the pitfall is don't think short term and don't try and exploit people, which God, I hope I shouldn't have to say that, but I do. Um, so that would be the first I'm, pitfall. Yeah. I mean, who I'm, knows? You might, uh, they might make a referral for you in the future. I, mean, I hope so. Uh, yeah. Second thing I would say as a pitfall is um, be clear on what you need someone to do before you hire them. So like, don't hire someone and then spend the first two weeks going, I have nothing for you to do, or I don't know what to tell you to do. Like build out some training materials, make sure you set aside the time to like onboard somebody properly. Um, make have you sure ever had a client do that too, by the way. Like, uh, I have, I've had clients over the years all the time that like hire me. And then like, like I don't hear from them for like weeks and I'm like, Hey, looking to get started, going to do this. Oh yeah. We'll get that back to you soon. And like, yeah, yeah. you know, like feedback time, I'm like looking for like a, you know, you have a week to get me this questionnaire filled out. Nothing. So yeah. it does happen. And you just keep pushing on them and try and make it happen. But I would say on the hiring side, be prepared for the person that you want to come on and make sure you have the time to not leave them like abandoned in their work. You know, take the time to like sit with them and work with them on what you need. Be clear about what it is that you're expecting. Um, those are probably the big pitfalls I would I would point to. Hmm. I like those a lot. Thanks, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Jeff, thank you for, uh, coming on the Heroic Council again. Um, and, uh, you're always one of our most amazing guests. Uh, 
Um, and once again, um, if you're interested in checking out the Heroic Council, I love it. Uh, if you're interested in checking out the Heroic Council, uh, you can download us uh, where all your favorite podcasts um, are available. And uh, check out more at um, the superheroinstitute.com. No, it's not superheroinstitute.com. Superheroinstitute.org slash heroic. It's this one here. I'll put it up on the screen. Boom. There it is. Thanks, Jeff. It's, it's all good. It's all good, man. All right. We out. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for joining us here on another episode of the Heroic Council. You can tune in every Monday at 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time and catch us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, all under the Superhero Institute, or you can just search for Heroic Council using your favorite search engine called Google. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform by searching Heroic Council on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and all over the place. Be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. And if you love the show, be sure to share it with someone that you love or even somebody that you just like a lot. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.